This is Christian Jack, and you're listening to Vibe 105. Vibe Talks. Vibe Talks. More than just music. Hey, everybody, this is Giancarlo Alino reporting for Vibe 105 with a sports Vibe Talk segment where we're going to be talking everything soccer today. To help me out, I'm happy to be joined by my guest. You've seen him on TV. You've seen him at all the home games. You've seen him uh, being a great ambassador for the game of soccer in this country. He's an analyst and broadcaster. He's Christian Jack. How you doing, Christian? Giancarlo, I'm doing really well. Pleasure to be on the show with you. Big fan. How are you? I'm doing great. And uh, Christian, we got to talk about TFC and Cruz Azul, that Champions League. Unfortunately, it didn't go Toronto FC's way, but uh, when you're watching just the second leg and when transpired in the first leg, where were your biggest takeaways from that? Well, I think it was always going to be a challenge, wasn't it, for Toronto FC, particularly, you know, for those who aren't aware, you know, Cruz Azul are one of the best teams in, in, in Mexico right now. You know, they've been unbeaten in 18 games coming into the match. Um I think, you know, it is a little bit of an unfair competition in the sense that there's a lot of things tilted against Major League Soccer teams. They're just starting their regular season games while Mexican teams have been playing since January. And I think that really shows, you know, you can see it in the form, you can see it in their confidence, and more importantly, you can see it in the fitness. And I think it really showed in the second half where Toronto FC, you know, we have to remember they have like four and a half months off, Giancarlo. You know, it's tough to get back to match fitness right away for that. They've obviously playing the sixth different game of this season in six different stadiums as they continue to be uh, living away from home and, and making Florida home a little bit for them in different stadiums as well. So, look, I still think, despite all of what I've said, there was a bit of a golfing class. You know, TFC had Josie Altador unavailable, Alejandro Pozuelo unavailable, you know, Soteldo, the new the new designated player, the Venezuelan, unavailable. So the real difference makers weren't there to, to help them get over the line. But still a good experience. You know, they beat Club Leon in the last 16 to get there. So many people didn't think they'd get that far. And now they can turn their priorities and their, you know, their, their, their desires and hopes to have a very good season domestically in Major League Soccer. Yeah, I agree. And it was great to see that even though they had those players missing, you saw some young players like Noble Kello come up and you see even Iowa Canola get some runs out there, Jordan Peruzza get out there, Ralph Prizo. So when you're seeing just the young talent of TFC, is it optimistic more than, I guess, a letdown that they got eliminated going for the future in MLS? Well, it's great to see them playing, isn't it, Giancarlo? I think, you know, young players have got to be have the opportunity to play succeed or fail and play again. You know, I think you've got to give players the belief and find out whether they're going to be there. Now, I think sometimes depending on the team and their standings and, and you know, what their priorities are, we know what Toronto FC's are, you know, what the investments are coming in from MLSE and they, they want to win trophies. So I think the leash is a bit shorter for the younger players in Toronto than it would be for another team for like a Dallas or somebody else in MLS that produces young homegrown talent better than many. Um, so, you know, I, I just hope that those players have a bit of, a, of an opportunity to play more often this year. I don't think they spent too much money in the offseason making many, many changes to a team that probably needed it. So they're going to need that fresh blood a little bit. And you have to remember their new coach in Chris Armas, he plays a bit more of a, uh, an athletic, dynamic style, pressing and really bringing the energy to the team that they didn't necessarily have under Greg Vanny. Whether they can do that with the older players is going to be, I think a lot of preference is based on the young players coming in and making a difference in that way. And that can be contagious. You know, I think they can try and bring some qualities to the game, but they have to, they have to be shown that they can be relied upon uh, to, be, to be able to play regular minutes. And we saw like a lot of MLS teams do well, like the five that advanced to uh, that round, the TFC, unfortunately got eliminated in MLS. Now it doesn't, they don't feel threatened by Liga MX, which is, I guess, a good sign because before it'd be like the Liga MX team would have this aura about them and the MLS team would be kind of beaten before they even play the game. So what does this say about MLS now in terms of CONCACAF competition and their league as a whole worldwide? 
think it's a really good question and a really good point you make, Giancarlo. You know, it was like that, you know, four or five years ago. It was, it was, oh boy, here we go again. You know, big brother over little brother every time. But I think, I think now, you know, obviously Toronto FC played a part in, the, in, the, in that tide changing in 2018, you know, going down to Mexico and becoming the first team to knock Mexican teams out back to back. LAFC did that to three teams last year. Now, albeit they were helped by the change in format to just being the one match instead of the two-legged games because of what was happening in a, bu- in a bubble after COVID, uh, during the COVID uh, pandemic. So, But I think, look, Major League Soccer is spending more money wisely. They're pouring more money into the league. It is a salary-based league, but it is now with the target allocation money coming in and general allocation money that has been poured in over the last few years that it is allowing teams to spend more money to catch up to Liga MX. You know, they they have a good relationship with Liga MX. They're combining together to host the 2026 World Cup with us in Canada. It's no longer a rivalry league. They play in the MLS All-Star games. They play Campionas Cup games. They're playing a lot more games to try and be on the same level as them. So it's a good yardstick. I still think they are quite significantly behind collectively the talent that is shown in Mexico. But uh, I think they look at that on a daily basis at MLS, MLS HQ in New York and think, how can we continue to get to that level of quality every week? Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, for those who are joining us here on Vibe 105, we're being joined by soccer analyst and broadcaster Christian Jack. And uh, Christian, Toronto FC, like you mentioned there, Jefferson Soteldo was out there. Uh, he's in quarantine right now, but this is a big signing for them, third designated player. From what you've seen and heard about him, what is Toronto FC getting and what should fans be uh, most excited about? Well, it's going to bring some sparkle dust to the team. You know, it's a team right now that's quite efficient and um, they've got a lot of runners and a lot of quality players that will do the job, but not difference makers, you know? And I think that he gonna, he's going to bring that, you know? Obviously, he's another player that can score goals. He's another player that's dynamic in the final third, really good in one-on-one situations, will play on the left-hand side, but can drift inside to play with Pozuelo. And if Altador's fit and healthy to play, they can play the three of them together. And you know, being around the game as long as you have, you know, there's certain players that just have that speed of thought. And they just have that football slash soccer intelligence that others don't have, that they can combine off each other and work quickly around and break open opposition's defenses uh, and make them unbalanced as quickly as possible. So look, they paid a lot of money for him. Um, I think he's a bit more of a technician inside than he is more of a natural winger that will go to the byline. I'd like to see more width in the team and pace. Um, hopefully he can bring that. But uh, it's good to see TFC going into the South American market, getting younger, where he's only 23 and, and, and doing something that a lot of MLS teams have had a lot of success with over the last five or six years already. Uh, everyone's saying, OK, he's the next Atomic Ant V2. Uh, but is that like a fair comparison? Like, is that putting too much pressure on Soltedo, like saying, OK, we have uh, high hopes for you to be the next Jovinko? Well, if he's the next Jovinko, then you've got an absolute star on your hands. So I, I'm not quite sure he's going to be the next Jovinko myself. But, you know, Sebastian Jovinko will go down as one of the greatest players in MLS history. Uh, you know, no question about that. I think that if he's if he becomes half as successful as, as Jovinko is at TFC, TFC fans will be happy to take that, you know, no doubt about it. So I don't think he's going to be the dynamic goal scorer that Jovinko was. He's certainly not going to be that kind of player who does a lot of damage in the central areas. But Jovinko did float out to the left a lot and cause a lot of problems. And I think, you know, what Jovinko brought to TFC also was true dynamism from the set pieces. You know, they've been really poor from set pieces and executing set pieces for some time. So maybe he can deliver that as well. But um, yeah. I think maybe it's a little bit too early to start with the comparisons to Sebastian Jovinko quite yet. 
And now Toronto FC turning their attention to the MLS season. And like looking at their squad right now, when they get back to full health, do you think they'll still be a contender in the Eastern Conference? Or will Chris Armas have to change maybe his tactics and that pressing style when he gets a little bit older players back in the lineup? Well, I don't think he'll change his style. I think he's the firm believer that they need to bring more energy and pace to the team. I agree with that, by the way. I do think we saw that last year as often pedestrian kind of football at times. Uh, but they are another year older. From that and uh, I think he's willing to sacrifice what could be some difficult days for the for the greater good and belief that this is the best way to play uh, to create chances. Uh, do I think they'll be a contender? They spend money to be a contender, and if Soteldo can play a lot of minutes and Pozuelo can get back from his injury quickly, and Altador can be on the field of playing considerable minutes, they're all three ifs. Um, are they big ifs potentially? Uh, then I think they can be a contender, yes, but I don't think they are a true championship winning caliber team uh, without any of them on the field. So they've got to get those guys on the field. Um, as I said, the they are older and they're trying to get younger with those young players, but they're at that difficult time right now where the young players are really young and the uh, the players are getting older pretty quickly and there's not too many in the middle there. So they need to try and figure out that balance while you know, it's a balance of all sports, right? You don't want to ever have to tear it down and they just want to continue to compete while doing a little bit of, of, of work as you go along and having that transition. A little bit like Real Madrid have done. You know, you know, they made a Champions League semifinal, got knocked out by Chelsea, but you know, many people wrote them off after back-to-back glasses at 16s and many people thought they were done and they kept the core players of the older players. You know, you, you guys know who I'm talking about while trying to bring in younger players and, and not having a complete teardown and transitioning on the fly. Yeah, I agree there. And like, just speaking of young players at Toronto C, have so many, just mentioning it before, like Prizo, uh, Marshall, Rudy, Peruzza. Just looking at the roster, who do you feel could be that guy to have a breakout year in 2021? Um, I think Ralph Prizo will probably play a lot of minutes in 2021 just because there's not many players like him on the roster. There's not many defensive players that can really get the best out of Michael Bradley and let Bradley get forward a little bit more. I think Jaquiel Marshall really has got the highest ceiling. He's still only 16, so I'm not sure how many minutes he's going to get right now. But I think out of all of them, I think he could be the biggest star that goes on to have the best career. We don't know that yet. There's so many mitigating factors that can happen between then and now. But at 16, there's a lot to like about him. He's very mature, got the right attitude. And so often with young players, attitude is the really a massive ingredient. We know they've got the skills and the quality. They wouldn't be where they were now otherwise. So, yeah, I think that's probably one. I think Prizo is, though, the man who can probably play more minutes in midfield. They let Liam Fraser go uh, on loan to Columbus for a reason because I think they believe that Prizo can play in that role. So, um, yeah, he's a left-footed player as well in central midfield, can open up the game a little bit more from that area. So I'd probably go with him. It's a great choice there. Uh, He was really well. uh, He played really well, actually, in those games there in Champions League. So I agree with you there. I'm sure a lot of TFC fans will agree with you there. Uh, For those just joining us, we're being joined by Christian Jack, a soccer analyst and broadcaster. And Christian, I just want to bring you back a little bit before we transition to the Cup games and uh, Champions League. I remember watching you back when I was in high school on the score. You were with uh, Sitzixero, James Sharman on the footy show. Uh, Always used to watch the Serie A games when you guys talk EPL, Serie A. Uh, so when you were, I guess, in and around the game and Toronto C were still in the preliminary years of their uh, existence, what do you think has changed from that time covering the team till now after the MLS championship? Well, I mean, I think obviously they've got star power now, right? So, you know, they had, they threw, they had a lot of false dawns. 
You know, they went through a lot of moments where they were like, oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. And then the bloody big deal. And oh no, now the, the park, the bus, it's not working. Uh, you know, so I think that the, there's, uh, there's an expectation internally and externally now that when you see that name, that people think they're going to win. And that took a long time for them to turn that around. And realistically, they haven't had that much success, you know, in terms of trophies winning, but they had a consistent success of delivering at the right times in the 2018 Champions League run, obviously the finals in MLS Cup of 16, 17 and 19. To get to four major finals in four years, I think was a tremendous achievement for that group. So it's one that they need to, they really need to nurture and one they, the opportunity they have right now, they cannot let slip. They cannot go into another 10 years of malaise and just letting things go and not doing the right things and learning from that. They have to work very hard as you always do in professional sports to maintain that upper echelon quality and belief that you can stay to the top. But you're right. It was some really dark days and very difficult moments. And um, they were able to turn it around because of their belief in their their, their star players and eventually get those acquisitions right. And a lot of times you can get them wrong in MLS, but they got the right ones and they came over and delivered. Yeah. And like MLS is popularity, especially in North America. Like I remember during that time, like if TFC won a game it maybe would get some coverage, like the highlight show at night, but after they won, it seemed like more and more interest, like who, which players are going to come in. Maybe there's more pressure on management to do well. I guess Toronto FC is probably the best example because they won, but right. do you you think they could, I don't know if challenge is the right word, but maybe be in the same realm as a Raptors or Maple Leafs in terms of having that same level of, I guess, culture going to the game, going after the game, will have a consistent solo crowd in the stadium? I do believe it could happen. I, I do. I think, you know, winning is the ultimate recipe for success. You know, you continue to have winning teams that are challenging for big moments and you have moments like 2016 against Montreal, the, you know, one of the greatest playoff series in MLS history. And then you have moments like that against Seattle in the final in 17. And you have those moments in your own building. They stick with people for sometimes forever. You know, that kind of moment, those reference points will bring people back for a long time. And I think it's easy right now to say with the success of the Raptors winning in the championship in 19, the success of the of the Blue Jays and what they're able to accomplish 15 and 16 and, and 17 kind of moving forward away, away from the, just the, the really dark days of summer, the difficult times and the success of the Leafs right now being a, a true cup contender that, okay, TFC are clearly in the shadows of that, but all three of those teams I've lived in this wonderful country for 20 years now. All three of those teams have had very difficult times during those last two decades. Now, the Maple Leafs are the Maple Leafs and they are the Giants because it is hockey. Uh, but the other two have, 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 have at times really struggled. Struggled for TV ratings, struggled for attendance, struggled for really be trendy topic and being aware. So look, p- th- these things come and go in cycles. And I think that TFC, can, if they can maintain their success and, and keep to that level of uh, engagement up for fans, then absolutely they can be absolutely an enormous part of the city's fabric of what is a great sports town. And uh, just even seeing it, like when Jovinko was here and uh, when they were winning and Josie Altidore was at his best, Michael Bradley, it brought in that new generation of soccer fans and it maybe turned their attention to MLS because a long time, like EPL will always be there. Champions League will always be there. So matter of time before they get into that. Uh, We're going to shift gears here and go on to uh, Europe for a little bit because there was a little bit of a fiasco with the Super League. The league's lasted only two days, but... What were your thoughts when this whole thing started? And was this at the wrong time to even bring this up, especially with the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic certainly wasn't a good time to bring it up because it's obviously, you know, 
the fans have been through enough. But my my overall thoughts were I was sickened by it, to be honest. You know, it's just um it's just fueled by utter greed. Uh, by people who've got no kind of uh, foundation or connection to any of these people, was certainly with the you know with the English clubs, so no connection to the city, no connection to the club. Um, really, what you would just call as franchise owners, where if they got the opportunity to move to a European Super Club and had to change the name of the club, they probably would. You know, that's how, how little they care about it. You know, if you want, you know, they could just call them, you know, the Manchester Giants if you wanted to, and just you know, and just call them, you know, they're just different teams. You know, it's just they they don't care about the the history of the club. They say that they do. They don't care about the fans. They say that they do. Um, they they missed out, but they missed massively wide of the mark and, and what they underestimated the, the power of the people and everything they get now is a consequence no sympathy for them uh, people will go a long way to, uh, to watch these teams and care deeply about these teams and you come over and you take over a team and you are indebted and you're trusted to take care of the team and you pull up a stunt like that overnight, you try and pull the wall over people's eyes and pull away from the fabric of what they're doing, trying to ruin domestic competitions. I don't think people will forgive them forever. And do you think it will be inevitable, though, like uh, Super League? Because I know that there was some talk about it amongst owners, like maybe if they were to break away, like there was always that doubt of, okay, if they do that, then the other domestic clubs, like you mentioned, will lose out. But as we go on now and TV rights deals become so massive, like we saw in other sports, do you think that this will probably be something where we're going to eventually have a Super League? I think there could be something to that. I do think the strong reaction and the negativity to this over the last few weeks has certainly hindered that opportunity. But I think to answer your point, could we get to the point where you get almost like a closed shop Champions League? Yes. Um, you know, whether they try and navigate the rules around the, the, the reputation of what is now a European Super League and why that name will be run through the mud and will be dirty and they maybe couldn't call it that. But we're already getting an expanded Champions League in 2024 for me, which isn't a great thing. Um, you know, getting people an opportunity to get back in there, giving them opportunities to come through the back door, not rewarding competition and finishing standings. So I do think that probably would be inevitable eventually. But I, I think that it is very important that they keep the league traditions alive, the spirit of competition, the rewarding of games being played. And um, look, North American sports, I love myself. We're both here. There's something to be said about them uh, and their entertainment and what they're able to generate revenue-wise and what they can do. But it is, it is a clear fact that too many games in North American sports don't matter. And they don't matter because the consequences of losing aren't there. And if they don't win tonight, they'll go get them again tomorrow. Or you go get them again in the next day. Oh, we're playing the same team again in two nights. Let's play them again. We'll, we'll go get them. That doesn't exist in the fabric of European soccer because of the promotion and relegation and because of what happens if you lose. Every game does truly matter. And if they go down the line of the Super League or they go down the line of that US-based franchise model, they're going to have enormous problems because games won't matter as much as they think they will. And uh, speaking of uh, important games that matter, we found out today the Champions League final is going to be set. All English final, Chelsea, Manchester City. What are your thoughts on this matchup? And I guess is Manchester City the favorite just based on the way they played in the Premier League this season? Yeah, City will be favorites. Um, and they'll be big favorites, I think, in terms of what everybody will believe that it's their time. And if you're a Chelsea fan, I would say bring it on. You know, if you're a Chelsea fan, it's absolutely perfect. Nobody believed that they would get to the final. 
Nobody believed they were good enough to make a Champions League final. They had a Frank Lampard managed manage them to, to, to get through the group stages. Tuchel's come along, made them very difficult to break down. A true cup team because they don't give away goals. And they're, all the pressure is on Man City. All of it. It's okay. It's Chelsea. It's a final. It'd be a great opportunity to win. Um, it's inevitably house money for them, almost. Because everyone's talking about City. City, the best team in the world. City beat PSG. City had never won it before. Guardiola has to win it before he leaves. What a moment to win it. Now he's going to do it against Chelsea. The team's better than them, obviously, during the league. Forget the FA Cup. The, the, Man City will be the expected team to win it. And that's dangerous. Really, really dangerous. That's how Chelsea won in 2012 against Bayern Munich because yeah. all the pressure was on Bayern in their stadium and Schweinsteiger was shaking on, on the penalty spot in the shootout. You know, it's just that's enormous amount of pressure. And in one game, anything can happen. And... Um, I would, I would not write Chelsea off at all. I think they've got a great chance. It was interesting because Sergio Aguero, I saw a tweet that he did in 2014 where he said before he leaves, he can't leave Manchester City until he wins a Champions League. And now that he announced that he's going to be leaving after this year, his final mm. game is going to be a Champions League final. So just looking at Aguero, he's been a big figure there in Manchester City. What would you uh, say about his career and what are your thoughts on if you were to become a Champions League winner with Manchester City? Well, it'll be fitting because he's been their best player. Um, for me, he's... I mean, I, I love David Silva and De Bruyne is great now and Foden's amazing. I think Maris has been brilliant this season and Sterling's been excellent in different moments. And um, you know, you'll find no bigger fan of Edison than me. There's so many names we can go on. You know, Ruben Diaz has had a tremendous year. Um, but Sergio Aguero is Man City. It's, you know, when he, when he was signed... You have to remember they were throwing money already at a lot of players. Um, it had been two or three years of already, you know, golf money and oh, here comes City. But a lot of big, big players came and they weren't that good. You know, a lot of money thrown at players like, oh, Rabinho, nah, Joe. Um, you know, okay, these players are like Sergio Aguero. Okay, now you're talking. Now you're getting a world-class players. Now you're getting legacy players. Now you're getting foundation players. Now you're starting to play like that, an absolute difference maker, who, by the way, carried them in Champions League games when they couldn't even get out of group stages games, scoring late games, late goals, um, you know, under uh, underperforming Mancini era. For me, it was still underperforming. Obviously got an enormous goal, the goal, the shot hold around, around the world against QPR. Um, he will go down as truly the greatest for me in, in the history of the club and one of the greatest in the Premier League. He's that good. He's um, been a marvellous signing for them. And um, it will be missed. And, you know, whether he wins the Champions League or not, I think his legacy is pretty intact for Man City as being a true great. I agree with you. And uh, just speaking of true greats, uh, Jose Mourinho, a great manager in his time, wherever he's gone. But end off with this question, because Jose Mourinho now, he's joining another club in Roma. He's going to Serie A again. What is it about him where he seems to wear out his welcome after a couple of years, but then he goes on to another team. He has success. He wears out his welcome again. Like, Do you think this will work with Roma, with uh, his managerial style? Well, I mean, he's not going to guide them to win a Champions League. So I don't think they're going to win a, a league title. So I, I guess you, it depends what you mean by well, it will work. I think they will probably get a bit of an improvement initially. Um, you know, it brings, his name brings tremendous credibility to the brand. It does, you know, but eventually that name will eventually hurt the brand because that's just what he does uh, in the end. It just, it will not, it will not end well. Um, so I think the sad facts are that he's gradually going down. If you think about 
the tiers of football clubs around the world like a pyramid, you know, and he went to the very top, Real Madrid, Manchester United, you know, he's at Chelsea, you know what I mean? And then he's going down, he's been to Tottenham, he's going down to Roma and he's, and he's not going back up again, is he? He's never going back, you know what I mean? He's gradually making his way down the pyramid to eventually to the point where he'll fall on the floor, which will be international football. Um, so I think he's going to obviously go there eventually as well. So I think it'll be a good, it'll be a good experience for him for a couple of years. It's still a big club and a wonderful city and the place, the great fan base. Um, but for me, yeah, there's, you know, it, Mourinho just can't get past himself. You know, it's it's too much about him. And eventually that wears on the players. And uh, even at Tottenham, it worn them down. And Tottenham didn't have quality to the level that Mourinho expects. And Roma don't have quality to the level that Mourinho expects. And that will eventually be the uh, the breakup that will he, he ultimately will lose the patience. He tried to keep his patience and didn't want to throw the players under the bus and understood that they weren't that good. Um, but it was still a very difficult challenge for him to work with players who couldn't do things that he used to, that he's used to. It's going to be interesting to see how long he lasts with Roma. I'm sure their fan base is going to hope that he brings them to the promised land. But Christian, uh, before we wrap up here and let you go, how can our listeners follow you on social media? Yeah, I'm on It's Christian Jack on Instagram and at Christian Jack on Twitter. So uh, follow me there. You know, catch up with me there. I've been doing some stuff on One Soccer more some, uh, with more news to come. Um, so yeah, just continue to follow me and appreciate anybody who watches and follows uh, this the, the, this great sport in this wonderful country. And Giancarlo, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on here on Vibe 105 to talk to all things soccer with me. And I wish you all the best. Likewise. Thank you. That was Christian Jack, soccer analyst and broadcaster. Now we're going to send it back to the studio for more programming right here on Vibe 105. And now back to your Vibe, Vibe 105.